Happy birthday. Thank you. Hey, Rage. Oh, Hi, ladies. Great, Rachel. Oh, I like your hair. Yeah, you look great. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday, Jen. Thank you. Rachel, it's good to see your face. I know. So good to see you, Tabs. We miss you here in Arizona. <laughs> a little colder in Montana. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Hello, and thank you for taking a seat at the table. Joining us tonight, we have Rachel Lack. We're doing a standalone episode, and we're really excited that she's joined us. Seated at the table with me tonight is Kim McIsaac. Hello. Tabitha Cabrera. Hello. Jamie Ramos. Hey. Rachel Flanagan. Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Dunn, and joining us is Rachel Lack. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me, ladies. I'm very excited. We are so excited to have you here. Rachel, could you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little about you and your family? Yes. My name is Rachel Lack. I am a documentary filmmaker, and I have a son, Henry, who's 11, and he's autistic. I live in Arizona with Henry and my husband, Steve. Henry was diagnosed right before he turned three. Rach, when you said 11, I about fell off my chair. I'm like, no. Yeah, he's he's little. He's little for his age, but yeah, he's 11 already. And I can't believe I've been on this journey for eight years. When he first got diagnosed, I started looking at pages on Facebook and a lot of the kids were 11, 12 that I started looking at. And I kept thinking back then, like, what were those kids like when they were Henry's age? Were they the same? How is Henry going to be in you know eight ten years is he going to be just like them is he going to be able to talk is he going to like what's he going to be doing and now i am we're here we're at that <laughs> point you know now i would be considered a veteran mom as what i would see those so it's just strange for me to be there right now so it's really cool you say that because that's like we'll get into your documentary in a little bit and talk about that but just you know, seeing that perspective of like, how do you get there? I think that's like such a mystery for all of our kids is like, what is my kid going to be like, you know, because my kid may be the same as a kid who's like an adult and highly severe when he was two or three, but adult functioning in the world may have also acted exactly the same. So it's kind of crazy. So can you tell us a little bit about how the diagnosis process started with Henry when you guys started suspecting autism and all that fun stuff? Yeah, so he, um, Henry hit all of his milestones on time. He sat up at two months, he crawled at six months, started walking at 11 months, was fully walking by 13 months because he, he never, he always pulled himself up at 11 months and then would walk. And then he would fall down and then crawl back over to like something and stand up. So he never actually stood up on his own until 13 months. So that's when we say he was fully walking and he did have some words. He started to say some words about 12 months and um, he had about 15, 10 to 15 words up until about 20 months. And then that's when we started to see the regression was in about 20 months. And we didn't really notice it at first because we were so Henry had a food aversion and so he didn't feed himself until he was two and a half and so we started food therapy at 12 months 
And this is long before autism was mentioned, anything like that. And so we were so focused on his food and his eating that we kind of forgot and didn't realize that he had lost some words. And it was his feeding therapist that mentioned to us, I think at about two, and she's like, I haven't heard him talking because she was also a speech therapist. And she's like, I haven't heard him talking in a while. And, you know, again, you're focused on one thing. And feeding was so important because we had to take, he was drinking Pediasure, four things of Pediasure a day. Um, he would only eat the same pureed. Um, it was Earth's best and it had to be Earth's best. Even if we put um, Gerber in an Earth's best bottle, he still knew and would throw it up. Like, I'm like, how do you know? It, this, this, it's in the jar, but he, it's a food aversion. And so it was a texture or a taste like, he just knew and he would eat some yogurt. So like going out to eat was really hard. We had to always have food and also getting him to eat. He had to watch Blue's Clues as he ate and we had to like feed him. And at one point in time, Steve was like jumping around trying to keep him occupied while I was feeding him. And I mean, it was, it was so hard, so hard to get him to eat. And eventually at two and a half and we, don't even know why he started at a school at a Montessori school and um, he was around kids, I guess, 24 typical kids and his teachers were amazing and they helped feed him and helped and he just started chewing on his own and his feeding therapist told us she's like now he may regress like this is really great that he's eating so let's be excited, but he may may regress and he never did. So we were very lucky, but do you want to go you know, kiss her all the time? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, but he would only eat at school. And so the teacher mm. would give us like, um, at the Montessori school, they, they made the food there. Um, a lot of the food that they grew in the garden, like this was amazing Montessori school. I remember one day they gave us stewed tomatoes that he ate at school and he would not touch them at home. And it was like a month <laughs> he would do it at school for a month and then he would start doing it at home. And that was even with other things. Like if he, he didn't learn to jump until he was five, but he would do it at school and then he would do it at home slowly. And then he became, he actually was a really good eater after that. And we were very lucky. So, but yeah, that was his food. And basically at two, sorry, that was a tangent. <laughs> um, at two, we went in for his two year appointment and filling out as you guys all know I fill out the form and I remember the pointing that's what stood out to me because I was like I don't remember the last time he pointed and I remember that he used to point but I do not remember and I remember Steve my husband was like why are you obsessing about that and I was like because that's a sign of autism one of them that I know not pointing. And I was like, when was the last time he pointed? The doctor came to us and was like, well, you know, he's not talking, not doesn't have very many words and stuff. So let's send him to get evaluated. And so I was nervous. I was like, oh my gosh. And we found a developmental pediatrician that only had a month waiting list. So I should have known from that, <laughs> that she was not 
Um, that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I just came off my chair and then I was like, oh. Yeah. In Phoenix, having a one month waiting list, uh, that's unreal. So mm -hmm. we saw her the next month. November was his birthday. So in December of 2013, we went and saw her and she, okay, first of all, Henry was doing things that we had never seen him do before. He was playing with a doll. He was actually imitating the developmental pediatrician and feeding the doll and pointing at things that we had never seen him point, not point, but like touch things and, and stuff. And we're like, who is this kid? <laughs> he doesn't play with that at home. So he was doing things that we'd never seen before. And she told us at the end that she didn't think he was autistic, just that he had OCD and anxiety. And she also told us that he's not eating like a two-year-old and we should stop giving him Pediasure because he will eat when he's hungry. Ah, there I immediately went click. I turned my brain off when she said that. I said, this is not a good developmental pediatrician. I'm like, she sees autistic kids. How can she tell somebody that they were going to eat when they're hungry? And so the minute she said that to me, I was like, no, we're not coming <laughs> back here. She's like, I want to see him in four months. But Steve and I both left and was like, nope. Nope, we're not. We don't coming. need to pre-book today. Honey. No, that's what it, they did. They wanted we'll you. Yeah. yeah, but I was really happy. And oh, and she wanted to put him on my two-year-old on medication for his anxiety. And I, I was like, no, I'm not putting my two-year-old on medication for anxiety. So I was happy. I was like, okay, he's not autistic. That's good. Yeah. So maybe it's just a speech. And she said she's, it's probably a speech delay. So I'm like, woohoo, it's a, it's a speech delay. And she told us about early intervention. So we did sign him up for early intervention. So that was the good thing. And Henry was, you know, very social and he hadn't really gone into his own little world yet. But early interventionists were like, oh no, he's, you know, it's probably just a speech delay. And I don't know if they're allowed to tell us that it's autism, but they weren't thinking it was. So it wasn't until like six months later, he was two and a half. That's when we started seeing more signs. He wasn't answering to his name. He wasn't playing with other kids. He was going into his own little world and his obsession with string. And that's what he sims on. You'll see pictures of him. Yes. Oh, he's string. Always, always twirling string. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when it started. And he was always, and I remember being at the cottage and my parents and all my family was like, look at him. You, he can just sit there for like 45 minutes playing with a string and be all content. That's great. And I said, no, that's not, I don't like to say the word normal, but I said that at the time. I'm like, that's not normal. Like he needs to get evaluated. I mean, he even helped my dad roll up a hundred foot rope through it. My dad. He loved that. I mean, he yeah. stood there. I have video of him doing that. So, so it was the summer of 2014 and we were lucky. The wait list was six months, but we got on a um, cancellation list. And because he was young, he, there was a cancellation. So in October of 2014, we got another diagnosis and this time it was autism. And before that, I started Googling and YouTube and starting freaking out because all you saw was like the very extreme and teenagers and like pull up still and not do it, you know, and you just saw kind of the scary. That's when I started going on pages and seeing other kids, I'm like, is Henry, how were they when they were Henry's age? Or is my child gonna be like that? And 
what you know it so I started doing the Google and you should never do that. <laughs> Stay off the Google. Yeah, and YouTube. And also right before the diagnosis, I started to look at documentaries and I did not see any documentaries on it. Or if I did see documentaries, it was from parents talking about it years later. And so I decided I'm gonna film myself going through this whole journey. But yeah, so that's when I decided to film myself the day before his diagnosis. I think that's so cool because I also come from a filmmaking background. That's what I went to school for. And Mm -hmm. I didn't do a lot of documentary, but I remember thinking early on in my son's, the whole process, like I was like, maybe I should record myself. Cause I always thought about doing that. Like maybe recording myself through pregnancy and doing like some sort of documentary. But I was in such denial that I just didn't want it to be autism so bad that I felt like, if I did something like that, that it would like manifest it somehow or, you know, and so I just think it's so cool that you had the wherewithal to do that. And also the fact that you like knew, like you knew that something was up with that developmental pediatrician, because like, I would have been like, okay, I was in such denial at the beginning. So I want to hang on to you club on to cling on to that hope, right? So that's that false hope. I got the same thing. She wasn't talking, was you know, all of those things. And, but, but when you were talking about him playing with the dolls, how that was out of the ordinary, we were the app that reminded me to Kaya's diagnosis because it was the one thing she wouldn't do was she didn't know how to play with anything. So I remember they're like, well, she's just spinning the spoon in the bowl. And I'm like, mix the freaking bowl. Like in my head, I was screaming to you to, to do the play. Yeah. So very, you know, opposite in the, in the doctor's office. So is that what led you into documentary filmmaking or were you kind of dabbling into this prior to Henry's I was, yeah. Uh, So I, I went to film school back in the early 2000s and I decided, you know, shortly through film school that I wanted to do more, uh, do smaller films and have a smaller crew. I didn't want to be on a giant Hollywood film because I just felt like you don't get to know everyone that you're working with. So I started watching documentaries and I, I love them. So the first documentary I did was it's called The Activist Within, and I did it shortly after I got married in 2008. And right when that happened in Arizona, where I live, Prop 102 was passed, and then Prop 8 was passed at the same time in California, denying same-sex couples marriage. So I was like, why can I marry the person I love and everyone can't? So I decided to do a documentary about that. Through the filming, I filmed a whole bunch of marches, And through that, I realized I was becoming an activist as well. So I filmed myself and I did one of the walks with them. So as I was editing it, I realized I couldn't edit myself. (laughs) I can't, that's the worst thing to do. So one of my friends from film school, Annie, Annie. um, I I got a hold of her on, we had lost track and I found her on Facebook. So um, we became friends again and she was always a really great editor. So I was like, "Uh, do you want a job editing? And she's like, of course. So um, that was back in 2010. So we've been working together since 2010 and we were working on a documentary about uh, travel because I've been a big traveler my whole life. I have been to all seven continents and 35 countries. So we were starting right 
before Henry was diagnosed, we were starting a documentary called Got the Travel Bug. As we were filming, we actually were on a trip right before Henry was diagnosed. And we decided that the autism documentary was more important than the travel. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to travel as much having a child with autism. So we decided, you know, through that trip, I was with Annie. We were filming a trip with my niece and my mom and my sister. We were traveling together. Um, it was my niece's first international continent and it was my last international continent so we were traveling that and we decided that the autism was more important and so i filmed probably a week i think it was a week after we got back then i filmed myself the day before the documentary we actually got steve got the call while i was in australia that Henry's diagnosis was moved up to like the middle of October and this was the um, beginning of October. So it worked out that I was going to be back and I would have flown back for it if I was away. Then we decided to do the documentary. So how did you, so you follow 10 children, Arizona and Massachusetts, correct? Yeah. Um, How did you pick these 10 children? Did you know their parents? How did you connect with them to create this documentary? Yeah, so about six months in, I realized that autism really is a spectrum and Henry was not going to be, I wasn't going to be able to show the spectrum with just Henry. So I went online through one of the autism groups in Arizona. I had actually met a few moms. We were all new to the group, new to the diagnosis. And so two of those moms in my, my mom group said they would be filmed. And then I kind of put a message out in one of our Arizona groups. And so a few more said they wanted to be involved. And then one of the moms I knew from Arizona, she used to live in Arizona and then moved to Massachusetts. Her son was diagnosed five days before Henry. And so she said she was part of a group and she could get a few other people involved too that would want to be involved. So that's when I was like, oh, this will be great to show two different states and show the difference. I didn't know at the time that Arizona and Massachusetts are two of the better states for services. So we're actually showing the kids in services and stuff. I would love to get states that don't have as good services as well. So that's something I'm- Come up, up here, like, Rachel. Rachel right here, Rachel. Come you know, on I am over to Montana, Rachel. Okay. It's not good. <laughs> I will. It's not good. <laughs> well, we will chat more after this because, <laughs> yeah. I know that you left Arizona for Montana and- <laughs> So how long have you been following these kids? That I think that's the coolest part that you're following like through the I was going to I was going to say to that as well the age what's the age range between the youngest to the oldest? Um it's 3 years between the youngest and the oldest. The oldest is um Connor, he's in in Arizona and the youngest is Savannah and she's in Arizona as well. She's adorable. Yes. Oh she's my fun God. to watch. I, I like watching them. Boys. Yeah. When they go on and do their videos, it's neat to say that because like you were saying about sort of a glimpse into the future. And we all know that none of our children are the same. And, you know, what Kaya is like at 12, maybe not what Celie is going to be like or what Nora is going to be like or whatever. Look at Rachel. (laughs) But it's kind of like I I said to body language. Yeah, I saw you tense a little at 12. But, you know, even like with Kimmy, like that looking that far ahead it's it's kind of nice to see that roadmap you know yeah and have a little bit of that you know so that's interesting so 
you chose them and you started following them. How long are you following them for? We're going to follow them up through adulthood. And adulthood. at the beginning, when I first contacted them, I didn't know what we were going to do with the documentary. I thought that it might be just a few years. I also thought of one of my favorite documentaries is Seven Up. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a BBC documentary and they have followed like a kids at seven and then they follow them again every seven years. So it's seven up, 14 up, 21 up. And I just thought that was wonderful. My favorite part of documentaries actually is the end when they mm -hmm. show where they are now or what they've done. Like, I always want to know what's going on with them now. Did it work? What's going on? So when I started following these families, I said to them, I'm like, how would you feel if we film these kids, your kids every six months until up until they're adults? And these families didn't know us. They didn't know who we, you know, we're just filming them. And they did become my family. Like they're all my friends and stuff like that. But we came into their house. I was going to so, ask, did you go into their home? Yeah, we went How into their house and filmed them. And we didn't, like, I was meeting them for the first time when I went into their house. And it was Annie and I. So it was just wonderful. And the kids were all like three to five when I started filming them. And they were so adorable. Oh my gosh. And they loved, I would bring a few GoPros and they loved the GoPros. And I would just let them, a lot of times I would just let them play with the GoPro because you know, they're not gonna drop it or anything, but if they did, it would be okay, you know? So um, I have a lot of footage of the kids like running around and kid views, which is wonderful. And yeah, they didn't know what's going to happen. And again, we've been filming for eight years and we, we have a COVID series. Like COVID actually helped us get some episodes out and Jen Dunn is in it. We did an international one and so she's in it. And well, Hold on. First of all, I didn't realize it was a recorded thing because we all know how technical Jen at the table is, right? So I looked about as lovely as I do right now, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is a video. Well, we're going to see how good Annie really is. <laughs> we're going to see how good Annie, she was great. She yeah. did the best she could. But that was fun <laughs> even for me to go back and do the checkup on it and see how far in the difference in that time. I think it was a year, right? A year. A year. Yeah, it was a year. Yeah. yeah. And I tell people now, you know, I have new parents that are starting out, I'm like, I tell them, like, just film yourself, film yourself. Even if you do just a diary, just even if it's just for you to see and you don't wanna show anyone else, you can see how much you grow because as you guys all know, we grow as parents, like we're different than we were the day that our children were diagnosed. Like I am not the same. And I don't think I could get the same emotion that I got when I did it the day before and Actually, the hardest one was three days after the diagnosis. I could only film myself for five minutes and I was crying. I couldn't talk. Like right after the diagnosis, I had to text my family. I couldn't call anyone because I was just gonna burst into tears and not not anything, but that's just my emotions. And so I texted my family and I still remember feeding Henry lunch because it was the morning and like looking out the window. And the first thing I thought about was, is he ever gonna, like I wanted to be a baseball mom, a soccer mom, a sports mom. And I was crying over the sink thinking, is he ever gonna play baseball? Um, Cause baseball is my favorite sport. And I'd like to tell people listening, there are special needs sports and Henry does them all. And I am a baseball mom now. 
you know, yeah. and I watch him and it might not be the same as, as a typical 11 year old, but he is now throwing the ball. He's now playing catch with his buddies, which he didn't do for a long time. This is the first time that he goes out and plays catch. Like I'm tearing up right now because he's been playing baseball for six years. And this is the first time I want to tell people like just it might seem hard the first time like Henry actually was crying. They have the kids stand at the very beginning for the national anthem on the on the baseline. And I was looking at all these kids standing and these are all four to six year olds. Okay, Henry was in this little group. He was five. So it was yeah, four to seven. And there were these kids standing on the baseline. And here I am trying to keep get him to stand and he's having a meltdown. And he's biting me and I'm like, I'm almost in tears. I'm like, are we going to be able to make it? Are we, is he going to do this? I don't know. And by the end of the hour, he was, he was doing it and he was hitting the ball and stuff. And he loved to run the bases. That was his favorite. I remember when the coaches saying to me, don't give up. He did great. He will get there. And oh my God, kiss that guy too. I know, I know. And his the coach is still there and he oh. still says it, still says how much, you know, Henry has grown and stuff. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. And by the end of that season, so the season is like seven games. By the end of the season, Henry was running up to the line to stand for the national anthem. And that's amazing. And if we don't, if we miss the national anthem, it kind of pushes him you know, it kind of messes up his routine. So we have to always make sure we're there for the beginning. I and think there is something about those. You, It's Miracle League that you go to, yeah, right? Yeah, it's Miracle League. So we don't have that here. I'm in Canada for our listeners. And I know that there's Special Olympics everywhere. I know that's not to Canada, but yeah. I just put my daughter in that. And there's some sort of ease that comes with it because I don't have to worry about what other people would find an odd behavior. Not worry, yeah. but you know, the, yeah. the spectacles of the typical parents, right? You know, when she's dimming her little heart out and dancing in the middle, they just go with her dancing in the middle. I mean, it's not, it, it's so being in that setting where I, I, you don't feel sort of the eyes and the pressure of it is nice. And I have to assume that's like miracle league. Yeah. I mean, the, the vol- even the volunteers are great. They start at 10 years old volunteering. That's fantastic. All the way up to like adults and stuff. And it's amazing to see 10 year olds out there and they are out there. Like, well, Jesse thinks that's like the coolest. He thinks like kids because they're yeah. just a little bit older than him now, but he just feels like he's part one of the guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just so nice, like Jen was saying, for one, not to be like a hassle. You're not a hassle there because everyone's doing what they want. And to have other people actively helping, like that guy, like encouraging him and be like, he'll get there. Like other people saying that instead of it, like we tried some typical sports and it was like, just me. Like, I'm just the one like trying to get him to do things. It's so nice having those volunteers and people that like care and want to help your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And we just did on Saturday, we just did a special um, football camp because the Super Bowl is here. And so there's a foundation that follows the Super Bowl and does like a a football camp for the local kids. And I didn't know how Henry was gonna be. And for us, we just always try. You never know what they're gonna like unless you try. And you know what, Henry only stayed an hour and we left and that's fine. And nobody cared that we left, you know, and and he was, and we left on a happy note. He said he was all done and so, we left and he wasn't upset. He was actually happy. He was smiling. He learned how to throw a football and catch a football. And the He's like, we're done here. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> he's like, we we're done. Yes. And we're done. 
Give me a jersey, people. Yeah. And, uh, but it was amazing because it was like the ASU football team was there helping oh, that's him. That's awesome. And I just was like, oh, okay, you guys are college students and the Super Bowl is here and you're taking time out of your Saturday to be here, like nine o'clock in the morning to be here. And that was amazing. And they were great. And there was also a high school team. I don't know which high school team it was. There was also a high school team there. And and Henry loves the big guys. So he was in heaven because there's all these tall, big guys. He just loved them. So yeah, like them too, if you could let her, let her know next time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, high uh, school might feel, might be a little, little, little young. Okay. Yeah. Let's we missed that part. Rachel and I skipped right over there were high school students. Well, Thank you, Kimmy. Sorry, yeah, listeners, don't come down with grief. I do like older men, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Rach. Maybe Thanks, the coaches Rach. would be more. Coaches? The co- yeah. <laughs> Appreciate the help. You're going to land me in jail. <laughs> no, it, was col- it was college. Depends on the state. <laughs> the attorney from the table. <laughs> I think, um, I know, like with Kaya at gymnastics before we did the Special Olympics, all the teen girls that were there, she liked them as well. I think she, like, she looked up to them. They were teenagers. She kind of followed the, the pack. She really enjoyed that. So that was fun to watch her do that. She learns by looking at, like, watching other people. So you know, these students would come in and show them and it worked out really well. It's a, a, amazing when you've got the volunteers that come. In Arizona, we've got spring training. So a lot of times the baseball teams are here. And sometimes one time we had the Cubs come and sometimes one time we had the Royals come, like uh, professional baseball players coming yes. to Miracle League. And so of course those are the, the, the they're tall or six feet. And so Henry is in heaven and he's, and they'll do like a tunnel. So the kids will run through the tunnel and stuff. I mean, it's so fun. And I recommend to everyone, if you have a miracle league in your area, just go, even if you don't have a special needs child, go and watch. I mean, it's just amazing to see the smiles on all the kids' faces. We've done miracle league for two years and, you know, they just, like we book them through the city, like community ed kind of stuff. And they just recently started three other types of classes by the same Miracle League organization. So we do a music class and then they do an arts and crafts and then a spring sampler. And all of them are just incredible and just as inclusive. And I'm like, my cheeks hurt because there's like Steely Flanagan basically doing the worm under her blanket and we're fine because she's next to Cooper Swenson doing the worm. (laughs) <laughs> under the parachute and Landon is banging the drums and I mean it's mayhem and it's fine you know the parents get to like sit with the back on the chair because only one has to stand by the door another had the light switch like it's like we got this yeah it's so I, nice to be able to like lean in when you arrive because you're among our people you know it's yeah. amazing yeah and I love watching the videos of Celie and Cooper and stuff doing that it's a Amazing to watch that. The and that's a musical talent right there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's so, something. <laughs> Rachel, back to the documentary real fast. Like, what have you learned and seen the most from? Because, like, I feel like, I mean, I've only known you the last couple of years, but like, I feel like I know these kids. Like, I'm always- I know that's what I mean. Like, when she puts her update, Savannah, Savannah, Connor, Connor, those are the names I know that Brendan, Brendan, yeah. Brendan, yeah. Yeah. Those kids I, I tend to see the most. Yeah, that's a great question, James. Yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, like, really, you can see the spectrum through these kids. Yeah. And I, I mean, yes. it's pretty cool. And we, we didn't know what we were, what's gonna, what was going to happen with these kids at three. 
five. You know what you're getting, did you? <laughs> no, we did not know. And so, you know, that I was hoping that it was going to be the real spectrum, which it, it is. Like you've got Henry and Sam and Caleb that are kind of the more needs kids. And then you've got Brendan and Savannah and even now Connor. I mean, Connor is, it's crazy how, how much he's progressed. I mean, I can talk about Brendan forever because he's pretty much what you would consider the like poster boy for early intervention because now he's dancing and acting. And I saw Gina's mom today because he was at the um, event on Saturday. And so he, there was a lot of people that recognized him in from the Dharma videos. And a lot of the coaches thought that he was like a student coach. They didn't realize that he was a participant. And again, autism is an invisible disability and he does have autism and he doesn't have as many needs as everyone else, but he still has his needs. And he said to his mom, like, I didn't know what to say at that time. Like they thought he was a coach, but he didn't know how to tell them I'm a participant, you know? So that's, that's kind of like where, you know, he doesn't necessarily understand how to answer all the questions and stuff. So, but it's hard. It's hard because our kids have the invisible disability. And a lot of times when people show the event there, a lot of people show the, the kids with down syndrome, they don't show the autistic kids because just by looking at them, you don't think they have a disability, but looking at a child with down syndrome you can see they have down syndrome so it's just it's just hard sometimes with our kids that may not have the needs that the other kids have so but brendan i mean i could talk about and savannah um savannah doesn't have an iep because they don't at the school they don't think she has autism so she doesn't have an iep sebastian doesn't have an iep so there's a few kids that have the less needs that don't have ieps and but then there's like henry and sam who are non-speaking and have more needs and stuff like that but i've learned so much from the parents i've learned so much like from the moms and as i was filming them i was able to learn what to do for henry i started filming brendan was non-speaking at when i first met him and he had a device and so i learned from gina about his his talker his aac device and so i was able to kind of push our speech therapist because i learned from all these moms that had already had connor had a device already because he's the older one and so i learned from the you know carrie and gina like how to advocate I really learned how to advocate from these moms and stuff that were already that were a little bit further along than I was. So I hope that the documentary can help other parents learn to advocate. I think it does two things, Rachel. I think it, you you learn how to advocate and you learn how to navigate. Yes. Because it's a lot. And I think you're navigating and advocate, advocating side by side the whole way as you're trying to find your footing. So that's great. It's amazing. We love following it. Where can everyone find you, Rachel? So we have Facebook at Across the Spectrum is the name of the doc. So you can find us on Facebook, Across the Spectrum, the doc. You can find us on Instagram. It's my production company. It's Perling Place Production. So under um, Instagram, I am Perling Place. And then our YouTube channel is Perling Place Productions. 
And we'll put all the links in the descriptions for everybody. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, friend. It was great oh, chatting with you. Yeah, We're going to see you in April. See We're going to yeah. see your face. I am so excited to see you all and give you all big hugs. Yeah. Yes. And Rachel, we often, we talk so much about how like there's, you know, we just kind of are so comfortable with one another that we could walk by each other sort of like, I, I don't think Jamie and I said hello till we were like hours in because you're, it's just so natural. And just being with you, I mean, it's like soul sister and it's yes. just so great yeah. to mom alongside you. I mean, Rachel it really is and great. I traveled to minnesota last yes, year last together. year that's right yes yes we did so i can't and we to... sat in the airport for like three hours because <laughs> yeah, we got delayed yeah it's funny it's funny rachel how you were just saying about um henry liking the guys because i remember when we met up in october henry like neil came with us and he like turned to neil and like gave him a hug yes <laughs> <laughs> Henry is a hugger, so he will hug yeah, everyone. And I, I just loved meeting you and and Alyssa in October. That was and awesome. I'm glad that Alyssa, you know, kind of let him hug her because I know she's not as big of a hugger, and Henry is a hugger, so he's gonna just walk up, which can be hard, you know, like he mm -hmm. he doesn't know. Well, it's funny because when, when we first got there, she was kind of like, I guess I'll allow you to hug me. <laughs> But then when we were leaving, she was like more like receptive to it because, you know, yes. makes sense. But yeah, it was funny. I was like, you never know what her reaction is going to be. <laughs> I can't wait. It's coming fast. They were really cute, though. Yes, they were so cute, especially like the height difference. And the it yeah. was just so cute. I was like, oh, my gosh. I remember in, in the episode you were talking about it, it was natural for us to see each other. And it didn't yeah. feel that you know, you know like but, awkward or anything yeah, yeah. it was just because you're, you're a gem of a human being rachel oh, Lack. Yes. that's why yeah you really yes. are i miss you miss you two tabs t minus 60 something days we'll see you soon rach i know i'm so excited yay <laughs> all right everyone well, thank you for joining us at the table and we'll see you next time Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode. Check out the description to find where you can sign up for our newsletter, how to become a supporter, and find links to us individually. Join us next Monday for more. And while you wait, check out our content on Facebook and Instagram. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen. To contact us, you can email us at tableforfivepodcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again.